You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. What is going on, Gamecock Nation? So happy to be here with you tonight. Um, if this is your first time joining the show, my name is Matt Anderson. I am the host of the Late Night Gamecock Show. I am your source for all things Gamecock After Dark. Um, you can always reach me at late night Gamecock Show at gmail.com, or you can find me on the Big Spur message board under the username Matt Anderson. Uh, you can always just start a um, a thread. You can send me a, a you know direct message, whatever whatever you'd like to do to to get a hold of me on the Big Spur. And you know, looking at the Big Spur right now, if if you're not already a member, um, I'm not going to spoil this, but a VIP room has um, just populated which means that Hale and Whittle and, and JC and the guys are, are probably dropping a lot of wisdom in the VIP room. Um, the VIP room usually happens on Monday nights on the Big Spur, and it's really kind of like an information dump is the best way to explain it. You know, whatever the guys have come across over their, their week, um, whether it pertains to football, basketball, baseball, um, soccer, women's sports, um, you know, the whole gambit. Um, it's a, it's a really good, really good news piece that, that happens on, on Monday nights. And it really kind of kicks off the week for those of you that have a, a big spur membership. And if you, if you're not on the big spur, um, you can join at www.thebigspur.com. You might've missed all the promotions. There were a ton of promotions going on to start the season. Um, but it's about $9.99, $10.99 a month. It's probably the best $10 you'll spend related to keeping up with Gamecock Sports um, in the entire world. So um, it's year-round, 24-7. You know, the other night I couldn't sleep. I got on the Big Spur at 3 a.m. And people were posting and having a having a conversation. So it's a lot of fun. Um, one of the things that I do want to make note of, and, and you can find this on the Big Spur, or you can go to carolinarise.com. But JC, um, and I'm just going to read the press release here for you. Um, JC is is kind of spearheading this NIL collective. It's an opportunity for Gamecock fans to contribute to sports um, at University of South Carolina. You can earmark your dollars for you know whatever sport that you care about. But especially right now, um, we've talked about it a lot on this show, but the Gamecocks have a lot of really good young players and in this transfer portal era that we're in, in this NIL era that we're in um, for better or for worse, South Carolina is getting scouted. They might be two and three on the season, but there are a lot of players on the Gamecock roster that are pretty, pretty, pretty doggone good. Um, so here's the press release from Carolina rise for the rest of October. Carolina rise is pleased to announce the 3130 initiative in honor of the Palmetto Bowl at the end of the season. The initiative is a special add-on membership level for current members and a great place to start for new members of Carolina Rise. Our goal is to have 500 new memberships sold by Halloween, which will be the last day entry into the initiative will be available until October of 2024. The low price of 3130 gets you in and gets you a beat Clemson decal for your car, cooler, desk, or wherever to display leading up to the big game. It also gives you one entry into our initiative prize drawing. Um, you may purchase as many single memberships as you'd like in order to boost the number of entries into the drawing. We are also offering 50 entries into the prize drawing for $500. Uh, 
The winners will be selected at random. That said, the more you spend, the better chances to win. First place is two club-level seats to South Carolina's game with Clemson on November 25th at williams Bryce Stadium in Columbia. Second place is two club-level seats to South Carolina's game with Vanderbilt on November 11th at williams Bryce Stadium in Columbia. And third prize is a Carolina Rise prize package with select Gamecock items, Carolina Rise swag, and items from our business partners and members. These funds will be used exclusively for the following. To contribute to a more robust name, image, and likeness offering for the South Carolina football program with transfer portal season approaching. To continue to fund Park Avenue, which has brought in almost $275,000 worth of authentic NIL deals for Carolina student-athletes from genuine brands during the past 90 days. As always with Rise, you have a say in where your money goes. So if you'd like to earmark your membership or memberships into the initiative for another sport or cause, it's as simple as letting us know. Check below to join the 3130 initiative today and help the Gamecocks compete for championships and win great seats. And um, you can find this press release probably on carolinarise.com, definitely on the Big Spur. Um, there's a link you can follow. Um, JC also said, by the way, more from the NIL world, Park Avenue with another major brand score for Gamecock athletes, um, Snickers and Joiner. Um, so Snickers and on Joiner. Those folks are killing it. We have to keep it funded. So for those of you that don't know, um, right now, Carolina Rise is the sole funding partner for Park Avenue. So JC and you guys that are contributing to NIL are, are completely funding um, what everything that Park Avenue is doing. And you know, to date, it's over $275,000 in NIL monies that Gamecock athletes have received. There's a number of sponsorships, a number of partnerships that Park Avenue has done. So really excited for that. Um, I hope that you guys contribute to it. Um, if you've paid attention to the sports world lately, you know that um, Ole Miss just had a big NIL fundraising effort where they raised over $3 million in a weekend after their victory over LSU. And the Gamecocks are trying to stay competitive in a NIL and transfer portal era. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, you know, go ahead and, and join that. I mean, club seats for Clemson would be awesome. Club seats for Vanderbilt would be awesome. And, you know, even third prize is nothing to sneeze at. You're going to get some Gamecock swag, probably some autograph stuff from former Gamecock players. Uh, probably get a lot of Carolina Rise hats, T-shirts, towels, stickers. JC has a bunch of stuff over there, some you know, some beanies, that sort of thing. So to start off the show, um, wanted to talk about that. Um, you know where to go to find that information. But Carolina did not have a game this past weekend. Uh, kind of a, a mental break for all Gamecock fans out there. I know that that I took a little bit of a mental break. It, it was kind of fun just to kind of veg out, you know, eat eat some food, have a couple drinks, you know, spend time with family watch college football with no real rooting interest in what happened outside of, you know, potentially some SEC or ACC teams that you may or may not pull for, but, and we'll, we'll talk all about the SEC and we'll do the SEC whip around on Thursday's show. Um, just a reminder. Yeah. Um, so this show is live every Monday at 9 PM. Um, and you can find this. If you, if you miss the YouTube stream, you can always find it wherever you find your podcast. 
And then Thursday night, Thursday, Friday, it kind of varies depending on my schedule. We release another episode that kind of fills you in on, on what happened during the week, um, what to look forward to of the weekend. Um, that episode usually has, you know, a little bit of touching on Gamecock news and notes. We usually do an SEC whip around where we talk about what happened in the SEC the weekend prior after I've had an opportunity to digest more of the games, watch more of the games. I record every single SEC football game and and try and watch at least the highlights, if not the entire game, you know, throughout the week and on Saturdays when the Gamecocks aren't playing. Uh, then we we have a, a a game preview, so we will preview what ha- what's going to happen in the game. I always give my prediction, and then at the end of the show, we have a Matt's gambling picks. Um, yeah, as you guys know, that have been following me, I started slow. I'm picking picking it back up. I'm have a winning record right now. So if you're following me or if you stuck with me, you might have won. You know, maybe five twenty five hundred dollars, whatever your unit is so far through the season. So. If you suck with me, that that's cool. Um, appreciate you guys um, taking part in that, and as always, you know, gamble responsibly, you know, responsibly, and um, you know, don't don't wager what you what you can't risk losing, as always. So the bye week always is a time for me to kind of take a take a moment, take a step back, think about the Gamecock season as it has progressed so far. I always like to kind of look at the offense, the defense. And, and we did that on this past Thursday night show where I went through, you know, my take on each position group, you know, where the Gamecocks are right now, what, what I'm hoping for in the future. So always, always good to, to take that break. But one of the things that I noticed watching the games on Saturday is a lot of the things that Gamecock fans kind of go up in arms about, um, you know, things that bother them when they're watching the Gamecocks you know, I noticed that happen, you know, throughout the country this past weekend. And sometimes, yes, yeah, Gamecock fans, we stay kind of isolated in our Gamecock bubble. We stay isolated in the sky is falling. Everything is as, as awful as it could possibly could be. I can't believe they called this play in this down and distance situation, or I can't believe that guy didn't make the tackle. And what I realized watching watching this weekend was you know, a lot of teams have a lot of the same issues that the Gamecocks have. You know, I'm just looking through here. Um, as you guys know, I, I, I do watch the majority of Florida State games with my wife being a, a seminal grad. And we were watching that game. And at the end of the first quarter, it was 22 nothing. You know, we had the TV on in the backyard. We were just kind of having a, a chill day. Um, and we we started watching something, another game, or I came remember we were watching. Maybe we flipped over to a TV show or a movie during halftime. And all of a sudden it was, it was 20, it was some um, 30, yeah, 22 to 17. Um, Virginia tech scored a touchdown, and a field goal, in the second quarter. Um, all of a sudden they scored a touchdown to, I think sometime in the third quarter. And we were like, okay, we got to watch this. You know, we had kind of chalked that one up to a victory and you, and you look throughout the country and, and that kind of thing happens uh, looking at the Georgia game. And we'll talk more about this game on Thursday night, but, you know, Kentucky's five and oh, top of the world. Every Gamecock fan is saying, why can't we do what Kentucky does? And they go into Sanford Stadium at night and promptly lose 51-13. It was 34-7 at halftime. It was 44-13 at the end of the third quarter. And I mean, if you think about what a Kentucky fan is going through right now, it's we were ranked 20th in the country. We, you know, maybe had a soft schedule, but we just ran all over Florida. We dominated that game. And 
And you got a dose of reality going up against the number one team in the country in Sanford Stadium, 51-13. Michigan as is doing what Michigan's been doing all season long. They won 52-10 to over Minnesota. Um, probably one of the games of the week was that Red River shootout or Red River rivalry, um, Oklahoma-Texas. That game just had fireworks nonstop. And, you know, as a, as a Gamecock fan, I try and put myself in, in the shoes of watching other teams and, and trying to be a fan of whoever I'm pulling for in that moment. And in that particular game, you know, I, on my gambling picks, um, I said Texas, and I'm looking at it right now, minus five. And it was just, why couldn't Texas get that key stop that Texas was looking for? You know, how could Oklahoma continue to pop off big play after big play after big play and ultimately culminating in a touchdown to take a, a four-point lead with 15 seconds left in the game? And I, I just found myself I found myself saying, this is the number three team in the country. And Oklahoma, feel good story. You know, they were ranked like 17th or 16th in the country or 12th. I'm looking at now 12th in the country. And Oklahoma's given them everything that they can handle and, and more. And Texas never really seemed to get in a groove in that game. And, you know, looking over at Ohio State, Maryland, Maryland was up 10 nothing in that game at Ohio State before Ohio State tied it at halftime. Um, after the first half, it was it was 20 to 20, or after the third quarter, it was uh, 20 to 17 and Ohio State pulled pulled away in, in the fourth quarter. But I mean, I just I just found myself looking at these games and saying, like, wow, we're not the only ones that experience this. I mean, look at that Southern Cal Arizona game. Um, you know, you blink and Arizona's up 10 nothing. They have a 17 14 lead at halftime. And that game kind of goes back and forth. Arizona gets a two-point conversion in the fourth quarter. It goes to triple overtime. Southern Cal wins by two. That defense for Southern Cal is just uh, – if we think the South Carolina defense is bad, I don't know what to tell you if you're a fan of that other USC over in California because that defense is awful. And we, we talk about it when we talk about the gambling picks. I can't trust Southern Cal to cover any spread at this point. And Arizona was 3-2 and two coming into that game. They were one and one in the in the Pac-12. Southern Cal was a 20 and a half point favorite or 21 and a half point favorite. The crazy things happen, and we haven't even talked about the Notre Dame Louisville game. Notre Dame was another team that I backed last week in my gambling picks. I thought Notre Dame was pretty good, but you know, looking at Notre Dame right now, I mean, what the heck was their coach thinking by putting the ball from their own or no going for it on third and nine with nine minutes to go in the game instead of punting the ball away. It's it's one of those things where there are head-scratching coaching decisions, you know, throughout the entirety of the country um, almost every single Saturday. And I think a lot of us just focus in on what is South Carolina doing? What what can they do to, to make things better? Alabama, Texas A&M, I mean, the game was, was in Aggieland. I thought the line was kind of fishy. I took the Alabama money line. They were favored by one point. Alabama wins 26 to 20. I mean, you know that the Texas A&M fans, you know, especially after being up 17-10 at the, at the end of the first half, it was kind of that feeling like Gamecock fans had when the Gamecocks played against Georgia. You know, what everything is going right. Like, we're, we're going to beat Alabama. Like, they haven't looked good this year. They've, they've lost a the game. They seem to play slow. The offense doesn't look great. The offensive line doesn't look great. And look, we're, we're going to win this game, and we're going to be 5-1 and one and 3-1 and one in the SEC with a – a tiebreaker against Alabama. And I, I keep going through here and, you know, obviously North Carolina took care of business at Syracuse, but that just, 
that also opens the door. You know, I watched the, the Clemson Syracuse game last week. Syracuse dropped three or four potential interceptions in that game that could have could have changed the momentum. And North Carolina just soundly beats them, even with Trez Walker coming back. And and Trez Walker, you know, was in the game. I think he had like 43 or 51 yards receiving, but you know, he didn't dominate it. Oregon State, number 15 team in the country. Uh, they won 52 to 40 versus California. I mean, I, I guess I just say this because these are all the teams that are top 25 in the country. And these are the teams that South Carolina wants to emulate. And at the end of the day, at least in my vantage point, South Carolina is not that far off. I mean, a couple of things go, the ball bounces a couple of different ways. Some, some players drop a pass and maybe some interceptions aren't thrown. And, and all of a sudden South Carolina is probably in the top 25, you know, probably in the sec East race. And that's just the game of football. And I listened to Perry Orth talk on JC, JB, and Phil's show on, I think it was Friday. And he just said, look, this team, this is not break glass in case of emergency. Perry Orth said, I would tell you guys if it was, you know, sometimes a seven and five season is better than an eight and five season or a seven and five season is better than a nine win season the week before it's all about how you're playing the game and you know what the players are doing on the field and, and, and looking at progress. And, and he gave Kentucky as a great example for that. He talked about how Kentucky and, and Mark Stoops was like 14 and 24 through his like first four years or, or three years, you know, not winning very many sec games. And all of a sudden they get to seven and five, then they get to eight and five, then they get to a new Year's six game. And then, you know, it's, it kind of just snowballs once you have the right culture. And that's one of the things that I, I think Shane is building. I think that NIL, at least for right now, is very important. Um, I think that the transfer portal is very important. I think that, you know, one of the things that Perry talked about is, you know, this isn't a lot of players from the Will Muschamp era or, you know, it's forget if it's Will Muschamp or, or whoever it is these players signed up to either play for Shane Beamer or stuck around when Shane Beamer came. And, you know, next year we're going to be in year four and I'm not the guy that is always saying, wait till next year, wait till next year. I, I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think that, you know, it's next game, next game, next game. And, and there was a poster on our, our message board, the big that talked about, you know, the transitive property does not apply to college football. The transitive property isn't because Tennessee lost to Florida that all of a sudden, you know, South Carolina shouldn't beat Florida because they lost to Tennessee as well. Every game, and this is what this poster said, and I thought there was a lot of merit to it. Every game is a season upon itself. And every game is four quarters. It's a battle. It's play by play. It's inch by inch. It's yard by yard. It's completion by completion. It's, you know, running game getting going. It's, you know, making a, a critical tackle if you're on defense and, you know, with the way the South Carolina's play, you know, I, I've said it over and over again on this show, you know, we've had a lot of time to think about the loss to Tennessee. I think the defense played well enough to win that game. I think that the South Carolina offense and defense played well enough in the first half to potentially, you know, go on the road and beat the number one team in the country. I think that outside of the sacks against North Carolina, they played well enough. Um, and I'm not in the business of moral victories. 
that's just one thing that I'm, I'm never going to be in. You lose a game, you lost the game. You win a game, you won the game. The circumstances might change, but, you know, just looking around the country, I see teams that, you know, like Arkansas right now, Arkansas is two and four after losing to Ole Miss. They're 0 and three in the SEC. KJ Jefferson does not look like KJ Jefferson. They lost Rocket Sanders for a couple of games. They picked up some losses. Would you rather be South Carolina at three and two right now, or would you rather be Arkansas at two and four and 0 and three in the SEC? That's how quickly, you know, the wheels can fall off a season. And, you know, since we're talking about Arkansas, I do want to spend a moment and just talk about, um, talk about where Arkansas has like the rest of the season and what, the, what they're staring at. You know, they've already played their games against Western Carolina and Kent state and BYU. Um, they only have one more non sec game, which is FIU and the second to last game of the season. They're staring down the barrel of Alabama. We're going to say likely loss, even though Arkansas you know did play well with LSU, but, you know, they're looking at Alabama, so that's two and five. Then Mississippi State at Florida, Auburn, FIU, Missouri. Like they that is a team right now that I would rather have South Carolina's schedule than Arkansas's the rest of the way, especially where Arkansas is right now in the SEC and overall SEC standings and overall standings. They have one, two, three, four, five, six games, and they have to go four and two with only one gimme just to get to bowl eligibility. You, know, you look at South Carolina's schedule, and South Carolina still has Vanderbilt, Jacksonville State. They have five more home games. There's a lot to play for. There's still a lot to play for, and that's one of the things that I have to remind myself even when things seem dark. And as we talked about on this show a lot, nothing is ever as good or as bad as it seems. You know, Things can always get worse. Things can always get better, and, and oftentimes things happen in bundles. I don't know if you guys are have ever had you know a work environment where it's pretty tough one day, but then all of a sudden you get a win, and then you get another win, then you get another win, and you feel like you're on top of the world. And the same thing happens when you have a loss, a second loss, a third loss, and all of a sudden it's hard to get out of that spiral. But you know if if you if you remain competitive and you remain you know steadfast in what you believe oftentimes those wins are going to come. And I think that's where South Carolina is right now. And in the last thing I will say about, you know, this past week is at least Shane Beamer's never made the mistake of, of what Mario Cristobal did at, at, at Miami, where the game was clearly over. <laughs> um, the game was clearly over. You have Miami running the ball, trying to, to trying to run the clock out when they could have easily taken a couple of quarterback kneel downs and, and, and won the game and, and stayed undefeated, stay in the ACC title hunt, stay in the national national championship hunt. And that's just, that's coaching malpractice. Um, what happened there with Miami. And, you know, to this point, Shane has not done that. Yeah. Has he had some questionable play calls? Has he had some, some questionable, you know, decisions? Oh, we all, we all remember the Jordan Birch, you know, it, pass attempt from the from the one yard line against Tennessee that kind of changed the game three years ago those things happen they happen but at least at least Shane hasn't done what Mario Cristobal did and yeah big red I see you over there um that's good news I I was watching the Braves game earlier they were down three nothing in the sixth um I saw that it was four three before I hopped on to do this show so I'm glad the Braves won big red 
Big 24 Red 1987 says things got better tonight. The Braves won. And I happen to know Big Red and he's a Dodgers fan. So it means a lot for um, him to talk about my Braves. That that makes me happy. And and yeah, he says that one of the biggest football blunders I've I have seen was what happened in the Miami game. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, we're going to talk more about the rest of the SEC. Um, uh, obviously, I want to talk about this LSU-Missouri game when we come back to Thursday. This is a game that I watched live. You know, seeing that final score there, 49-39, did not tell the story of the game and how LSU won. Um, just a just a classic back and forth, a classic SEC game. And uh, it we'll, we'll talk more about that on Thursday. And the last thing I will say when you look around the rest of the country you feel bad for those Fresno State Bulldogs. They were five and over, ranked twenty fourth in the country. Uh, maybe an outside chance of getting to a New Year, New Year, New Year's, New Year's, a New Year's Six Bowl. You know, finishing undefeated. They lost to Wyoming, twenty four nineteen, and and I, I think that's just a reminder that throughout the college football season, there are going to be there's going to be heartbreak no matter which team you pull for. Only one team can. Can, can hoist the national championship trophy at the end. As we've seen numerous times, you know, one loss doesn't kill you. Um, I'll be surprised if I'm really excited to see what happens in this, this year's playoff chase for the first time in a while. I, I feel like I, I don't know who the, who the four teams are going to be at the end of the season. And, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a great launching point to talk about the, the next, the next conversation I have for everyone. And, it's one of those things that I um I put on the big spur um late last night. You know, I was watching the end of the NFL. Uh, my fantasy football team lost. I, I didn't really want to watch any more of, of the NFL. Um, so I just I, I put a I put a post up on the big spur and said, you know, what what were your takeaways from the bye week? You know, what surprised you? What um what did you notice? What did you what did you see outside of the Gamecock bubble? And the last question that I asked was, you know, who are your top six teams right now? for the college football playoff. And it was interesting to me, at least that there were a lot of fans that kind of felt the same way I did. It's really hard to pick six teams right now. Obviously until Georgia loses, Georgia is going to be in the, in the college football playoff. Um, I see that they are losing a little bit of traction in the AP top 25, as far as, you know, first place votes, Michigan, although they didn't cover um, any of their first three or four games of the season, they've covered back-to-back games, maybe three in a row to get to six and zero in the season. Ohio State, while playing some some ugly football, has um, has remained undefeated. Obviously, Florida State we talked about earlier, um, maybe not the prettiest brand of football, maybe not the most consistent. Uh, we know that they got they had a scare against Clemson, a little bit of a scare in the LSU game to start the season, but they pulled away. Um, you got Oklahoma at number five, Penn State number six, Washington number seven, Oregon number eight, Texas number nine, Southern Cal number 10, Alabama 11, North Carolina 12, um, Ole Miss 13. You know, we can keep going down this if we want to, but, you know, there are going to be a lot of teams. I mean, just looking at this, you know, Michigan and Ohio State are going to play in the last game of the season. Only one of the, only one of those teams is gonna is gonna come through, you know, potentially undefeated if they if they you know end up playing the last game of the season. Both of them are undefeated. Florida State still has some battles ahead of them. The ACC, you know, has been kind of a weird conference so far this year. Oklahoma, uh, the top ranked Big Twelve school, you know, where do they stack up at the end? I mean, they got the 
they got the game against Texas, uh, you know, behind them and they're undefeated, but the big 12 can be a wild conference. Uh, Penn state, they're going to have to play eventually Michigan or Ohio state, Washington and Oregon. At some point they're going to, they're going to cross swords is, is Texas like right now in the, in the catbird seat. Um, Cause if Texas runs the, runs the table in the big 12, can they, can they jump Oklahoma? Southern Cal ranked number 10th in the number 10 in the country. They're six and zero, but they got to go through Oregon and Washington as well with their defense. Uh, look at North Carolina five and zero out there. Are they going to run the table in the ACC? Are they going to continue to climb up the polls? I've talked about Alabama a lot. Um, Alabama, you know, losing early. You'd rather lose early rather than late. It looks like they might be putting something together. Um, just a lot of football left to be played. And Ole Miss, you know, five and one, if they run the table, are they going to get the tiebreaker over Alabama? This is just the first time in a long time that I can't tell you who I think is going to be in the college ball playoff. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading the, the the comments now. Caroline Titan says, the biggest thing was seeing what Oklahoma did to that defense. Um, they got five D linemen through the transfer portal and shored up that defense in year two under Venables. Yeah, Caroline Titan, I, I really do agree with you there. Um, trying to read through that. Maybe you were typing quickly, but yeah, getting five defensive linemen through the transfer portal. We all know that, that Brett Venables can, can really, you know, coach, coach up a defense and you know what they did to Texas. I mean, I was watching that game too. I was going back and forth between the LSU Missouri game and, and the red river rivalry. And I, I kept thinking that Texas was going to pull, pull something out. I, I thought, and I had a group text going and I had a buddy that, predicted Texas would win 30 to 27. It, it almost happened. Um, but that rivalry is one of the, one of the more fun ones in college football. And that, that'll be really fun to see Oklahoma and Texas come to come to the sec. You know, you talk about the, the Georgia, the Georgia, Florida rivalry where they play the, you know, the world, the world's biggest cocktail party kind of having these neutral site games that bring a lot more, um, Fun atmospheres and and fun things to the SEC would be good in the long run. Uh, Big Red says Michigan's quarterback is starting to get some first round hype. I don't know if he's that good, but I read that he's in the Heisman discussion at this early part of the season. Yeah, um, I, I've seen that too, Big Red. It's been um, it's been interesting because I, I I don't know. Maybe you guys can tell me who was the last Jim Harbaugh quarterback to get selected high enough in the in NFL draft to potentially make a di- make a difference. When I when I started seeing that hype around the Michigan quarterback, I think his name's JJ McCarthy or JD McCarthy. I can't remember exactly what his name is, but I mean I looked at his numbers and I just said, wow, I mean Spencer has better numbers than he does and he plays in a tougher conference. Why isn't Spencer getting you know first round buzz and and who knows, maybe the NFL looks a lot about, okay, what's your team's record? You know, can you lead a championship caliber team? I don't know. But for my money, like even despite what happened in Knoxville, there's not a quarterback in the country I'd rather have over Spencer Rattler right now for the Gamecocks. I mean, I know what Michael Penix is doing at Washington is crazy. Bo Nix is putting up video game numbers. The Penn State quarterback's really good. Uh, obviously, you got Quinn Ewers at Texas who's, who's doing good stuff. Um, Caleb Williams at Southern Cal, you know, Heisman guy, but yeah, for me, for me, it's just, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go to battle with anybody other than Spencer for this Gamecock team. I think he understands what, what it means to be a Gamecock quarterback. 
Uh, Big Red says last Michigan quarterback was drafted in 2016. Time before that was 2008, every eight years. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if John Harbaugh was at Michigan in 2016. I think he might have been. I think he might be coming up on on 10 years or so at Michigan. But yeah, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about. I know that the, you know, the last mock draft I looked at had um, Caleb Williams number one. I think it had McCarthy in the top five. It had um, Michael Penix at like number eight or eleven. Quinn Ewers in the first round. Um, Drake May, I think, was number two. And we all know that quarterbacks rise and at the NFL draft. And you know, being a being in that fraternity of thirty-two starting NFL quarterbacks is a very very small fraternity to be in. And you know, despite all the scouting and and all the quarterbacks that exist in Division One and and lower levels of college football. You know, a lot of NFL teams still get it wrong. So, you know, I think when you look at this quarterback class, there is going to be a lot of players that, you know, put up video game numbers in college that don't make it in the NFL. And and for my money, if I'm an NFL team, I'm definitely going to take a chance on Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Big Red says that Harbaugh did coach them in 2016. I, th- I thought he might have. I, I want to say that the last year Harbaugh was in San Francisco in the NFL was – Maybe that Colin Kaepernick Super Bowl run where they lost to the Ravens and his brother John. Um, maybe it was a year after. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, and Big Red. I don't even know who Jake Rudock was. <laughs> Six rounder to the Lions from Michigan. But you know, I say that this is kind of like a microcosm of the you know the way I think about South Carolina season, in which we don't even know who the top four, top six, top eight teams are. You know, in college football, and I think if you were to you know, take maybe Georgia and Michigan and just put them aside and then put, you know, 10 or 12 teams in a hat and just pick out two other teams. You know, that's probably one of the one of the ways that you could pick the college football playoff at this point in the season, which which is a good thing for college football. You know, we all know that we're going to get playoff expansion here in the next couple of years. I think that it's needed. And I think it's a good thing for South Carolina because you know, looking at North Carolina's schedule right now, let's just do an example. If South Carolina had been able to, and I'm like, I'm not big on these ifs and buts or anything like that, but let's just play a hypothetical out here. Say South Carolina beats North Carolina. They are, you know, one and oh, and then they beat Furman. They're two and oh, they go play Georgia. Let's say two and one. I mean, I look at this and I kind of see, okay, well, Gamecocks are two and one. Okay. Now they beat Mississippi state. Um, so they're they're four and one. If they could have you know held that game together in Knoxville a little bit a little bit more, I mean Tennessee is ranked 19th in the country. I mean you actually have South Carolina on the outskirts of you know a 12 team playoff at this point in the season with with a lot of with the hardest part of the schedule out of the way. So long term, I just think it's not it's not something that we should be giving up on the Gamecocks because they're two and three right now. It's kind of what Perry Orth said. What what are the Gamecocks' avenues for success the rest of this season? You know, every game is a season upon itself, like the poster on the Big Spur said. I agree with that. You know, can the Gamecocks get to seven and five this year and call it a hell of a year? Absolutely. Can the Gamecocks, you know, get to six and six and call it a hell of a year? You know, tweak some things? Absolutely. Can the Gamecocks do what Caroline Titan said earlier and and go get you know, five defensive linemen from the transfer portal. I don't know about that, but it would be great if they could. 
Um, you know, that's why the NIL stuff I, I, I started talking about with what, what JC's doing with the 3031 club or 3130 club is so important. Let's, let's raise some money for Gamecocks so we can keep the talent we have and, and go get talent in the portal. But, you know, where I kind of want to conclude this episode is just let's look at the Gamecocks schedule the rest of the way. And, you know, what I did is I just looked and said, okay, let's just see what the season is looking like for a lot of the teams that the Gamecocks still have left on their schedule. So obviously Gamecocks have Florida coming to town to Williams Rice Stadium this Saturday. The game is at 3.30 p.m. It's on SEC Network. I saw a stat today or I heard a stat recently. I can't remember where I saw it or where I heard it, but Florida has lost 13 of their last 14 games away from Gainesville, Florida. So I think the game opened at Carolina minus two and a half. Uh, the betting market is with South Carolina right now. At least the odds makers are where they're, where they're holding that line. And then Florida's had some, some real big nightmares on the road in the SEC. When you talk about a talent standpoint, South Carolina probably has just as much talent on their roster, roster as Florida does now. Uh, I look at that and I say, okay, well, so who, who has Florida played this year? And, you know, letting this reload. So they lost 24 to 11 to Utah. They beat McNeese 49 to 7. They beat Tennessee 29 16 in Gainesville. They beat Charlotte 22 to 7. They lost to Kentucky 33 14, and they beat Vanderbilt 38 14. So, not a lot we can take from you know the Florida Vanderbilt game. I think the Vanderbilt's going to probably lose every single SEC game they play this year. Okay, but what about Kentucky? Kentucky won 33 14. Had a real big letdown game after that win against Florida against Georgia. Okay, well, they didn't pull away from Charlotte. Tennessee has their own nightmares in the swamp. They dominated McNeese just like they should, and then they lost to Utah. I don't think we know who Florida is at this point. And, you know, I don't want to go into too much of a detail on, on tonight's show, but, you know, the, the, the Gators are averaging 4.4 yards per rush. They're averaging... 8.3 yards per completion. Uh, Graham Mertz is, is completing 80% of his passes, but he only has, you know, 14, almost 1475 yards. So Florida is just going to dink and dunk it down the field. Yeah. Craig Godwin, you have a great point. They don't throw it down the field, press the corner, sell out for the run game and let the chips fall. Absolutely. You are, you are hitting the nail on the head there, Craig. So this is, and I hate to do this because I see this on the message boards a lot. You know, what is the biggest game for Shane Beamer in his tenure? Is this a must win game? Uh, yeah, I think that this is pretty much a must win game. You know, you're back at home. You really need to reset the reset the kind of the tempo of the team. You need to go out and have a have a big win. I think it's I think it's there for South Carolina if the if the fans show up. Um, I really do. I, I'm really excited for what Saturday will bring. Um, I'll do my prediction later in the week, but as of right now, I am leaning for the Gamecocks to win that to win that one. So, what happens after Florida? Okay, well, you got you got back to back road games, Missouri and Texas A and M. So, let's look at Missouri's schedule. They beat South Dakota thirty five to ten. They beat Middle Tennessee State twenty three nineteen. Kansas State thirty to twenty seven on a miracle sixty one yard field goal. Memphis they they won thirty four to twenty seven. They beat Vanderbilt by seventeen. And they lost to LSU 49 to 39. What I see is a, is a Missouri team that can't put teams away. Um, you know, if 
you know, maybe you look at that Middle Tennessee State game and they only scored 23 points. I know that's when Brady Cook, their quarterback, was getting booed. But you look at that Memphis game and I don't think Memphis is better than South Carolina. That's just me. I, 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 don't, I don't think they're better than South Carolina. I mean, Vanderbilt, throw it out the window, they won by 17. The LSU game, they had that game under control. I think they were up 22-7 to at one point in that game, let LSU crawl back, and then it was a back-and-forth game. And there was just a lot of momentum. I think that both teams were gassed. I mean, I think the officiating was pretty poor in that game. So I still don't know if we know who Missouri is. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago, I thought Missouri was just who Missouri is. They, they were 5-0 and going into the LSU game. And I sat there watching that game and thinking like, okay, well, LSU, yeah, top five team in the preseason. You know, they've had a, they've had a pretty good season so far. But, you know, they're, they're staring down the barrel of three and three, and Missouri is failing to pull away from them at home. So what does that say? I think it says a lot about LSU's heart. I think I don't think it takes anything away from Missouri's heart. But, you know, one team won, and, you know, Eli Drinkwitz made an absolutely crazy decision that kind of worked out for him, you know, getting the ball back against LSU. But I don't know who Missouri is. Um, you know, Craig, Craig Godwin in the chat says, it's a must-win game coming off a bye, home game, and they aren't better than us. If our D-line plays like it did against Mississippi State, yeah, Craig, I, I like, again, I think you hit the nail on the head. This you just look at the Gamecock schedule, and that's kind of what we're doing here now. It all starts with Florida. You get to Florida, and you're three and three, and then all of a sudden you have Vanderbilt and you have Jacksonville State, and that gets you to five wins. And then you just got to win one more of Missouri, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Clemson. And you got Kentucky at home. Who knows what Kentucky is going to be pay- playing for at the end of the season? I mean, we'll we'll move on. We'll go to Texas A&M because I said we would go through team by team. But Texas A&M, look at this run that they have. You know, they, they get past Arkansas. I mean, A&M still has a backup quarterback. They lose 26-20 to Alabama this past week. They got Tennessee coming up at 3.30 on CBS. Then they have South Carolina, and then they have Ole Miss. So they're going through a four-game gauntlet right here where I don't know what Texas A&M is going to be. I mean, it's so easy for Texas A&M to lose that locker room. And, you know, right now they have two losses. They're out of the college football playoff. Um, and one of those losses was 48 to 33 to Miami. <coughs> we just talked about how the transitive property doesn't necessarily work in college football. So who is Texas A&M? I think that a lot of fans and a lot of college football, you know, people get so tied into whatever's happened through three weeks is the team you have for the rest of the regular season. Whatever your team did last week, that's your team for the rest of the season. And, you know, under Beamer, we've, he's just shown that that is not your team for the rest of the season. I mean, I go back to the loss against Florida where the only reason South Carolina scored was on a fake punt. They couldn't, they couldn't even move the ball against Florida. They couldn't get in the end zone. They couldn't kick a field goal. And then they hang 63 on Tennessee the next week. So I just encourage everyone to remember that this, this is a season that ebbs and flows and football is a dangerous game. Injuries can happen. You've already seen that be uh, been, a, has been affecting South Carolina you just don't know what the next week's going to, what's going to show. And yeah, Craig, I see you here. Um, and Missouri may give us our worst loss of the year. Burden, Weiss, Mookie Cooper are all a problem and the quarterback is playing great and he can run. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, I could see Missouri beating South Carolina by 25 points. Yeah, I can see it. I don't think it's going to happen based on the way South Carolina has played this year. 
you know, even that loss against Tennessee, take away that pick six and play a little bit smarter and coach a little bit smarter in the, at the end of the second quarter, and it's a different ball game. Um, you know, looking at Missouri, let's look at their schedule really quick. So they don't have a bye week until after the South Carolina game. So that is going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth game of the season. And they're going to have a physical Kentucky team coming, coming, or they're going to be going to a physical Kentucky game, licking their wounds after a loss to Georgia. I, you know, the more games you play, the more film you get. Maybe they'll be able to to put something in play for Burden, Weeze, Mookie, you know, all those guys. Maybe the defensive line finds a way to get after get after the quarterback a little bit more. I mean, I did notice that when Brady Cook was pressured, he uh, now obviously like this is Captain Obvious, right, guys? When your quarterback's pressured, all of a sudden he's going to have you know poor pass plays. But that that's something that I'm definitely considering right now with Missouri. I I, I don't think Missouri has played a schedule tough enough to sit there and just say, wow, these guys are all-stars. Yeah, Burden is an all-star. He is absolute all-star. Um, but yeah, like what Big Red, Big Red says, yeah, they looked, Missouri looked good last week on offense and the game is on the road. Could be five Missouri wins in a row against us. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, Gamecocks have just got to play the team that's in front of them every single week. So we talked about that. We talked about AM. Then you got Kentucky coming to South Carolina. Um, they'll play Alabama the week before South Carolina. Um, and then obviously Clemson at the end of the year. And Clemson just beat Wake Forest by a score of 17 to 12. They really haven't looked like world beaters so far this year. They got Miami this week at Miami, then NC State, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina. We'll see what Clemson shows up um, against South Carolina. And, and we'll see what Kentucky shows up. I've, I've not been impressed with Devin Leary at all for Kentucky so far. So, you know, the same way that Craig, you talked about, um, you know, Florida doesn't throw it downfield, press the corner, sell out for the run and let the chips fall. I mean, I think the same thing with Kentucky can be said, um, you know, Kentucky hasn't been consistent at all. Um, throwing the ball. So press the corner, sell out for the run and let the chips fall. I think it's the same game plan for Kentucky that you have against Florida. Um, and you know, if the Gamecocks are successful against Florida, maybe that builds some confidence and, you know, who knows what happens in Missouri, who happens at, what happens at A&M. But, you know, you're going to have a chance there for the Gamecocks to be looking at six, seven wins if they can knock off, you know, Kentucky and Clemson there at the end of the year. Um, and with stealing one against A&M or Florida or whatever. So a lot of football left to be played. Um, Craig says no one is stopping LSU, but they stood toe-to-toe with them. I just think at their crib, that may be our toughest game we have left. Yeah, I think that either of the road games, Craig, are, are what I would consider to be the toughest games that we have left. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I I would like to think that, you know, the Gamecocks need to find a way to win two out of the next three. And you get two out of the next three, all of a sudden you're looking at four wins. Then you got Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt, that's six wins. And then you got a chance at seven, eight wins at the end of the season with Kentucky and Clemson. But yeah, I mean, to your point, I think the South Carolina can beat Florida. Let's make it three and three. Let's say the Gamecocks do lose to Missouri three and four. Um, that Texas A&M game is going to be pivotal. Um, you don't want to go three and five. You know, you want to you want to kind of be four and four. The same way that you look at a at a college football college football game, you want to stay connected in the game. You want to be within a field goal or a touchdown or winning at all points of the game. And you know, you really just 
you don't want to see three and five. That's that's not what you want to see because then the pressure is on to to win out, and that's just something that I don't know if the Gamecocks are capable of doing right now. Um, Craig says Miami may get Clemson this week. They should be super motivated after giving that game away, and Clemson doesn't have the dogs at receiver they had in the past. Yeah, Craig, I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I'm agreeing a lot with you today, Craig. I don't know how often we agree. I don't know if you're on the big spur, but um, I'm really enjoying the conversation with you and Big Red tonight. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Clemson does not have the dogs at receiver. I don't know if they have the dog at quarterback. I think they have a decent running game. I don't think their offensive line is very good. The defense is not as good as it's been in years past for Clemson. Um, you know, this is a Gamecock show, and I know that Clemson always looms large with all of us. And, you know, the last thing that that I want to do is is sit here and start talking about the Clemson game right now. And I know you're not. You're not. You're talking about Miami and Clemson. But, you know, the way that my brain works, I automatically think about that last game of the year, you know, right around Thanksgiving, the big game. I just want to see the Gamecocks not be fighting for bowl eligibility against Clemson. That's really what I want to see at this point. Um, and it would be great if Clemson, you know, was out of bowl eligibility by the time that they get to the Gamecock game. But, you know, we'll see what happens with, with those guys and we'll see what happens with Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Jacksonville state and A&M and Missouri and, and this week against Florida, but let's just take it one game at a time. We'll, we'll take it one game at a time. And I know I'm the person that went down the schedule, but um I think at some point after a bye week, you got to, you got to take a look at that. Got to take a look at it. Um, so I know that we talked about doing some basketball stuff and, and trust me, we still will. Um, but right now football is just, it's everything. I know that um, the Gamecocks did announce, I think it's a Wednesday or Thursday night game against Wofford or Winthrop where the money raised is going to go to um, fund the hurricane relief efforts. If you're in Columbia and you have the opportunity to go to that game, think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it's first come first, first serve. So if you got family members, you got some kids that you know want to go see the Gamecocks game and support a good cause, you know, make sure you head to that basketball game and uh, you can, I don't, I don't know what the date is off the top of my head right now. We'll talk about it as it, as it arrives, but um, basketball coverage will be coming soon. We're in October now, which means that, that um, Gamecock basketball starts back in November, both on the men's and women's side. Uh, I know the women have a, a tough schedule, just like they always do. I think they're going to Paris this year, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, Craig, um, we need AB if Juice isn't going to come back. Russell and Blake need to step up. Absolutely agree. And it's something that I talked about on Thursday's show when, when I talked about you know the wide receiver group. They have to find a second wide receiver to take the pressure off Xavier Leggett because you know even double coverage, Xavier can still go you know, take, take balls to the house. He's just that physically imposing and that, that strong of a, of a player. So the Gamecocks definitely need a, a second wide receiver to pop up. Um, I, I'll put it this way. I would be pleasantly surprised if Juice Wells comes back in any fashion the rest of the way. I know that he wants to, I know the coaches are hopeful. Uh, and this is not, this is not anything that I've heard inside the Gamecock program, but I, it's a tough injury. It's a tough injury to overcome, and it seems like every time he tries to do something, he re-aggravates it. It's not something where he's going to get, you know, hurt worse is my understanding, but it's all about a pain tolerance and what he's able to do. And I think if the Gamecocks get juice back at any point in the season, just just be really, really help, be really, really excited. I just doubt it's going to happen against Florida this week. And you know, start looking at how many games are left on the schedule, and, and you know when he can make a difference, and, and where the Gamecocks are at, and. 
you know, the Gamecock coaches would want him to come back, you know, whenever he wants to. Um, you know, Craig, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, until it's released by the player, I'm not going to say anything that, that may or may not be true. I've heard a couple of different things. It's definitely something in his foot. Um, you know, when he goes through, um, NFL, um, physicals and, you know, whenever that time comes for him, um, you know, those are the kind of things that the NFL teams will find out then. Um, I'm just not at liberty to discuss somebody's, you know, health stuff. And yeah, Craig, I know that no worries, no worries here either. Um, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I always like disrespect that kind of stuff, especially when players have millions of dollars potentially on the line, same way, you know, when we get to major league, major league baseball draft time and, you know, Gamecock players that may or may not go and what their number is or all that kind of stuff. I just, I'm always for the student athlete and whatever helps a student athlete, you know, achieve their goals. I don't want everyone to be an impediment to them achieving those goals, but um, yeah. So guys, um, I really appreciate y'all being here with me tonight. I, I think we'll just, we'll go ahead and, 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 and in the episode, um, I really, you know, guys, send me send me emails on late night Gamecock show. I'm sure we'll have a mailbox mailbox episode sometime in the future. Um, I do get a lot of emails and I try and fit them in for the show. And you know, I probably should do a better job of shouting out the people that that ask the question. Um, there's just a lot to get through in a limited amount of time because I only have your attention for X amount of minutes before you'll find something better to do. But um, appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Um, I'll be back Thursday with um you know our normal thursday episode um but thank you guys so much for giving me what, what what's the most valuable thing you have which is your time i i don't take it for granted and i do appreciate you know everybody that watches everybody that listens everybody that comes into the chat box the conversations we have and it it's really a fun thing that i get to do and, and doing it with you guys just makes it that much better so i appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know and um well We'll tie it off here. I will talk to you guys on Thursday. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have um, a great night. And let's go, let's go root those Gamecocks on on Saturday, and, and we'll break everything down a little bit, a little bit later in the week. But have a good one. I wish you all the best.